we're going to do a little bit of like a radio spot. So I'm going to start because obviously there's a huge announcement today. And I might have to do what they do in radio, which is like you reset uh, every 15 minutes sometimes. But all right, the, uh, the big news today, Kim Janey has made it official running to keep the position full-time, wants to get rid of the acting label, go to full-on Boston Mayoral Powers. And everyone knew this was coming. She hired a campaign manager two weeks ago. It was one of the most obvious things, because why wouldn't you? Um, there's been, I think, multiple Boston mayors who, similar dynamics, they went from acting... Uh, acting mayor to, I think, uh, that's how Menino maybe got in. I think I'm right. Maybe not. Who, who knows? Who cares? And so that's a good question. That's a, that's a good way to start. Am I still on the woo train? I am still riding on the woo train. That's how the, that's how these things work in, in local politics. A lot of this. Well, I mean, I want to get more into the policy stuff. Um, like Michelle Wu, right out the gate, by far the strongest on policy. Has a lot of um, connections with people that I work with in other capacities in politics. So I, I am on that Wu train. But I, th I think the, the best way to, to kind of unfold this, and we'll, we'll get back to Wu, is how does Kim Janey's entrance really impact the race? Because th there's really there's two different races uh, that, that are going to happen. Because right now we have six candidates. Who knows who else is, is hopping in? It's looking like Nick's, Nick Collins won't. You know, I think he could win. But maybe we'll get to him in a second. So we get six candidates. And now... I me trying to rank them in terms of who right now has the best shot. Kim Janey is number one. Right now, Kim Janey has the best odds if I was a, please forgive the term, a handicapper um, for sports betting. And the reason for that is all of this comes down to name recognition. If you... Oh, on this TikTok, if you follow me on that, if you listen to my podcast, any of that, you are not a normal person. You, you, you are not a normal voter. Because normal voters don't focus seven, nine months before an election about what is happening. That is just, that is a very thin slice of people like us. And so all of this ends up coming down to name recognition. If I walked up to somebody right now and I said, who are you supporting in the Boston mayoral race? Probably the most common response I would get is, when is the election? And if I ask people, who, name a city council member. Most people don't know that either. And so the biggest thing that you can have is getting your name out there. People are much more likely, if I walked up, the, up to them right now, if, and if I said, who are you voting for mayor? They are more likely to know the answer to the following question, which is, who is Boston's mayor right now? Because that got enough headlines when Marty Walsh left that enough people probably right now know the name Kim Janey. And Kim has been on a, a national tour because she was the first 
woman in Boston's history to ever become mayor. She was the first person of color in Boston's history to ever become mayor. She knocked out a lot, a lot of different historic firsts. And so just through that media tour, through the constant exposure that she will get from the local media, the constant Boston Globe articles, the constant Herald articles, they people will know her name. And that is, I don't know, 80% of what this is all about. So Kim has is, start, is starting, I'm saying starting, you know, she's getting in. I think as of today, today's Tuesday, right? Yeah, as of today. She's going to start with a massive advantage, which is going to be very, very difficult for people to climb. Now, the best bet is can Kim make it out of the prelims? Because here's where everything gets crazy, because there are two, because we do not have partisan elections. Meaning there is no Democratic primary for any of this. There's no Republican primary for every of this. It's very similar to, if you you know follow politics, the um, what's called a jungle primary. Which is everyone is on together at the same ballot and only the top two advance. Because now it gets tricky. Because if you right now just had a heads up matchup, Kim versus anyone... John Santiago will probably be the toughest to beat, and uh, maybe, and I'll get to why in a second. But from the prelims, so few people are going to participate in the act of voting that it is possible through a very aggressive, targeted, disciplined ground campaign that any one of these candidates, even if they right now are getting killed in fundraising, even if they right now don't have the name recognition, you can do a strong enough ground game in a prelim where the vote, the vote total is going to be so low, the vote total is going to be spread out because there are right now six candidates, that you can make it to the general heads up. And then heads up, all the dynamics of the race changes. So Kim could get knocked out in the prelim. Could. Because as I said before, she has an advantage that no one else has, which is she is going to have the name recognition advantage. And you can't you can't put a price on that. You can try. That's why money is so important in politics. The reason why I feel money is important, the reason why, especially uh, national elections, statewide elections, it's so important, is to get your name out there so people know your name, know your face, know two or three thing, nice things about you. And so now... Next question. Who is Kim going to be drawing from? And this is where Andrea Campbell is going to get screwed. Because Andrea, her biggest contrast to Michelle was Andrea was from Boston, that she grew up here in these neighborhoods, that she is well known within the black community of Boston. Michelle does not do well voting-wise in the black community of Boston. Her support comes from the periphery, outside of the Dorchester, Mattapan, Roxbury, Rosendale little bubble. Michelle Wu does really well from West Roxbury, Austin Brighton, Kenmore, Back Bay, probably parts of the North End, parts of uh, Eastie. But 
Andreas Campbell, her path to victory was very much securing that black vote within Boston. And what you've been seeing now, and something that um, has both surprised and impressed me, is that she's not necessarily copying. I don't like when people say they're copying uh, policies, but she is adopting a lot of the left policies of Michelle. And so that, in a way, takes away some of Michelle's shine because someone like me, you always focus on the policies and also feasibility. Like if I if I declared for Boston, I could probably have the best policies. No one's going to know who I am. No one's going to take me seriously. And that'd be a very dumb thing to do. So it's not all about the policies. But so now Andrea has lost the edge of being a black woman from Boston with good policies. Because both Mich- all of Michelle, Andrea, and Kim all voted against the police budget which is when you knew that those three were going to be running for mayor for, uh, for certain. They all voted against it. So it's going to be very interesting. And you already see in each one of them, I hate to say it, each one of them would start to be pulled towards the, towards the right on the issue of policing. But they're, they all have different starting points. And Kim is definitely closer to the center. This is used the dumb spectrum to understand it. Kim is definitely closer to the the center than uh, to the left with Michelle and Andrea. Andrea now is more closer to the left just in terms of some of her policies. So from those three, Andrea's votes now are going to be cut up more. Because Kim also has very strong support within the black community of Boston. And... This is why, also, I think Anissa, like, I think Anissa would do really well in a general matchup, general head-to-head, but I don't know if she, I don't think Anissa can make it out of the prelims. I don't think she can make it to her top two. Kim Janey is going to probably advance. That's one off the board. And there's also somebody that we have to talk about, which is John Santiago, because John Santiago got the endorsement from Local 223. And the reason why that was a very significant endorsement was that is Marty Walsh's union. It was Marty Walsh. Marty Walsh's uncle was the president of that union. Marty Walsh himself was the president of that union. People probably already know what I'm gearing up for. The current person who runs the union, his name, also Marty Walsh. It is Marty Walsh's cousin, also named Marty Walsh. That is a family union. And it is very much a pulse of the white vote in kind of that sliver of Dorchester selfie. And so if John Santiago gets that, just the also the fact that he's a man, because those dynamics still work here. So um, a lot of the white male vote, if it's in a heads up match between a woman of color and a man of color, the white male vote is going to the guy. That's also why I think Nick Collins would probably do very well. Because guess what? He would get that vote. And those people vote in every election. Because this is, again, all about turnout. So, John Santiago, probably two or three, if I had to rank him. I think Kim Janey is the favorite. Again. Um, And then John Santiago and Michelle, somewhere in that 2-3 slot. 
but it's so early, who knows? In terms of fundraising right now, Kim has about a quarter of a million. Um, Andrea is still leading the pack. She's, I think, close to, let's just call it 950. I think I'm off by 10 in one direction or the other. 950,000. Michelle is, I think, closer to 930. I don't have the numbers for the other people, but they're less than that. But it'll be very interesting to see if Andrea can differentiate herself enough. Having the left policies of Michelle Wu and getting enough of the core black vote within Boston to get out of the prelims into the general. Because then, general is now heads up. So all the dynamic shift. Um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fascinating. But I, I am still on the Wu train. That, uh, that has not changed. There's going to be uh, ballot, um, like signatures to get on the ballot. So if you have never canvassed before, if you want a very easy entry into the world of local politics... I recommend you look at Michelle Wu. I recommend you look at Julia Mejia. There's some more at-large candidates that I'll start recommending going forward. But for right now, that's the mayoral candidate, Julia Mejia. Ran for at-large uh, two years ago, one by one vote. She's great. She also voted against the police budget. And if you voted against that police budget, you are on the team, as far as I'm concerned. Until you do something later, that pisses me off. So if you, um, I would look, go to their websites, look at opportunities to help collect signatures. And again, it's a good way of showing solidarity. It's very easy to walk up to somebody you don't know and say, hi, excuse me, my friend is trying to get on the ballot. Would you mind signing this so that she can get on the ballot? That's, that's much easier than asking somebody for their vote. Um, so I would encourage you all on this to find a candidate you like, ideally Michelle Wu for mayor. If you haven't made up your mind yet about mayor, Julie Mejia for at large. Um, now, I'm just going to scroll through the comments here. I will also be listening to when she's on Boston Public Radio. I haven't listened to them in a while. I gotta—I don't even know if I'm still getting the, the podcast. i got to check that out. Um, what do you... Thank you, Lydia, for liking my page. What do you think communities should be pushing in terms of policing or police reform? Oh, that's a fun one. So... You can kind of drive yourself nuts through all the different recommendations of police reform. Should they have more de-escalation training? Should they have anti-bias training? Should they have implicit bias training? Do we need to have more body cameras? Do we need to have a mental health worker go with them to a 911 call? Do they need to have less shifts? Do we need to hire more so there's less overtime? Do we need greater an independent review? of articles of abuse. You can drive yourself crazy going through all those. The number one thing that police reform is all about is you have to shut the funnel of money to the police. That is it. If you are not touching funding, you are not doing anything where it comes to police reform, period. And so if you are not actively divesting money away from the police towards housing, towards education, towards healthcare, infrastructure. You are not doing anything.
because th that is really what this is about, is where is we as a society going to put our resources? And if you keep putting in policing, you can give them all the training you want. You can give them more toys and bells and whistles, but it'll not change the role that police play in our society, which is to basically, through the act of force, cover up the inequalities, the exploitation, the degradation of our society. That was a deliberate policy choice. Because for some people, that's cheaper. We're not paying for your housing. We're not paying for college. If any of you start complaining, we're just going to beat you up. That's it. Some, that is the, the whole policy behind the broken windows policing is we are going to just harass you and beat you and surveil you for the smallest things. Under the guise of this keeps you from doing the larger things, which has been completely disproven for decades. But ultimately, it is about keeping people in their place. And if you keep giving police money, then that will be the instrument that is used. And, you know, the expression, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. If all you have is the police, and that is what they do in this society. The, the DNA of, of police from the formation of this country that we adopted somewhat uh, from Britain, early 19th century, was to hunt down runaway slaves and to break up strikes, to fight workers, and to oppress and subjugate people of color, black people. That, that is the DNA of modern policing. That is where it comes from. And you can see that in every single action. You can see that in what's happening right now with the trial of George Floyd. You can see that in what's happening outside of the Amazon warehouses where they are being surveilled by the police. The police are there to harass and intimidate the workers who are trying to unionize. Those are the words of the very workers themselves. That isn't just me telling you what I think is happening. So, gotta, for that person, you, you, gotta, you gotta cut the funding. Um, Anissa has nurses woo as local 25. Yeah, uh, so Anissa, somewhat surprisingly, I... Um, I talked about this, I don't know if I talked about it here, but um, for the Massachusetts Nurses Union to en endorse Anissa, my read of that is, because I, I don't think they, um, thank you for correcting me, trial of Derek Chauvin. It's not the, it's not the, no one's trying George Floyd. George Floyd was lynched. Um, The Massachusetts Nurses Union, apparently, I'm sure some of the people have very strong connections with Anissa. I don't think that, or at least I, I know that they didn't do like a general membership vote, which is something important to keep in mind when like unions endorse. It's not like how like my organization does it. Like there is no showing of hands who wants to support who. Um, so I think Anissa probably has a strong interpersonal connections with members of the um, Nurses Union. And... I don't know to what extent they are going to be canvassing, knocking doors, fundraising. Uh, um, so it, it looks great on paper. It absolutely does. And I will always support nurses. I I would love someone on the inside to tell me more about that endorsement. Um, who's going to be the lucky one to pick you for the chief of staff? Smile, smirk. Um, thank you. Th there is There is no one who is running right now that if they offered me the job of chief of staff, I would take, to be honest. M my politics are much more to the left than what anyone would 
want to have me for their chief of staff. So while there are candidates I support and we work in coalitions, um, I don't see that happening, but I appreciate it. Um, will there be a food turnout? I don't necessarily understand that. Uh, you might have to ask me that again. Who do I think the teachers will endorse? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. I think it, they might stay out of it, which is sometimes a good decision. Um, narrowing down more on the Boston City Council, uh, Boston DSA has endorsed Joel Richards for District 4. Um, he's incredible. We're going to have a launch event April 29th. So if you'd like to go to that and, I guess, see me talk on Zoom versus talking on TikTok and get to hear from the actual candidates. We also endorse Kendra Hicks, who's fantastic. Both two great Democratic Socialists. So and so uh, the reason I bring that up is he's a Boston Teacher Union uh, member. And I, I think he actually, like, has a leadership position on the BTU. So actually, maybe because of uh, that connection, they won't be able to endorse him. But he will have the support of teachers because he's he is a teacher. So I'm just looking up at the Bruins game to try to get a score here. Um, but yeah, I right now see them more as um, staying out of it. Um, I don't think much separates Michelle, Andrea. I, I got to look into Kim more to see um, if she's getting charter school money or not. But yeah, I, I don't see much uh, differentiating. Bruins winning 3-2. That's great. Um, how well is your campaigning for a social city council in Somerville? So, uh, besides my day job, besides my TikToking, which I do enjoy, I'm also the co-field coordinator for the Boston DSA's electoral campaign. So it's part, half my job as the co, uh, to get these great candidates elected. Right now, we are in the capacity building stage. So what that means is that earlier today, I am calling members of Boston DSA. We have an electoral working group meeting this Thursday for the next, going hard the next three weeks, but we're going to continue this. We are calling all of our members to get them to come out. So we are making sure that the 3,000 members that we have at Boston DSA are going to come out, knock doors, phone banging. Ideally, with our first physical canvassing, we're shooting for the first weekend of May. But that isn't official. But if you are on this and you live in that area, you want to come say hi in person, you want to learn how to just get more involved in local uh, politics, I will I will definitely be plugging those two events. But they're not official, so I don't want to um, do that. I just heard mental health. Just put money to the police. Was that from you? Um, oh, yeah. So the Boston City Council for the last two sessions because i always listen and then kind of report back on their wednesday session which is like like the main city council like just that's the version of a general meeting they have it every wednesday they approved two two grants from the department of mental health to the boston police i think each was for 10 grand passed unanimously and right before both votes andrea campbell spoke and she said, oh, this money is going towards one of them was like a database to start collecting information so that researchers have better documentation, which is something, yeah, I support. I love data. They should be documenting this more. But you have to stop giving them money. That's why I got so pissed about those two votes. 
you you cannot increase police spending. It, I don't care how little it is. Ten grand is pennies to what these people do. It, it doesn't matter what they say they're going to use it for. You have to stop the flow of money to the police because if you're not doing that, you're not doing anything. They want to create a, da a, a database, take it out of your own funds. So if you contact your city council member, uh, you're going to tell them to stop doing that. I don't care if it's for puppies. You have to stop giving them money. Lots of um, I did not see that report about 40% of BPS schools don't have a functioning library. So I, I worked um, in Boston Public Schools for six years, maybe seven. Um, and it's funny because of how little libraries are used, mostly because so many schools, the measurement of how they judge schools is through standardized testing. It's not, no one's getting points on their school's report card because their students have time to browse books and to find interests. They get scored on how well did your students answer the 20 multiple choice questions on this specific topic. And so while any just and humane education system, absolutely every school should have a full functioning library where, where kids are just given the opportunity to browse for themselves, to read for themselves, to explore for themselves. That was my AP classes when I was in elementary school. I um, went to Havel Public Schools and they didn't have any advanced placement or anything like that. So for fourth, uh, like fourth, fifth, sixth grade, probably I think seventh too, just during class, rather than have me sit through class because they don't have any other funding, they would just say, go to the library. So they would just like send me by myself, me and like two other students, and we would just go to the library and read. And that was our like credit for like English. Um, which I mostly goofed off at, which is fine. Kids need to goof off too. Let's see. Oh, actually, that took us just about to the to the half hour. That was good. Good questions tonight. Good job, team. This was a good team effort for everyone. Um, before I leave you, because I like to keep it at just about 30 minutes, is there any lasting question? Otherwise, I'm going to talk about Blackjack for 60 seconds. Because um, I, I, before I got into politics, uh, I used to live down in New Orleans, got really into uh, competitive pool. Um, I'm actually a great pool player. I got, I got some, I was ranked second in the city of New Orleans back in the day. But I used to play a lot of cards. Um, and then I played blackjack a lot more in my undergrad years when I lived in Vermont. But yeah, uh, Massachusetts casinos um, use a different payout for blackjack. It's supposed to be a three to two odds for every uh, two bucks you bet, you can potentially get three. They shave it down to six to five odds, which is bullshit. <laughs> So in a game of blackjack where the house already has an edge, it's like two or three points on every deck they use. That's why they have that big, it's called a shoe. So you're already getting killed with the odds, and now they, they shave the, the point payout? Oh, God. Yeah, don't play blackjack in Massachusetts casinos. The, the state Supreme Court better tell them they can't do that. I'll be pissed. 
Uh, the base state banner is good, yes. Um, I probably have read Broken Windows. I'm, just, I'm very familiar with the policy. I don't know if I've read that literal thing. And um, library serves as default office space. Yeah, when I was a behavioral specialist slash administrator, uh, the library was just like, if you needed a room, you're like, okay, I'm going to go have the parent-teacher conference in there. Uh, all right, we got some people hopping on now asking me questions I talked at from the start. I, I didn't follow the police chase that that much. Um, I hope nobody got hurt so that my smile doesn't. But apparently they were trying to get the guy, and then the guy like like ran in a circle and then like hopped in the police car and drove, which, again, on its face is funny. I, I hope the person didn't do any violent crimes or anything. Um, oh, that's awesome. I can bring up people's comments from Twitch and put them here. That's so cool. I didn't even mean to click your thing. Um, who do I think will win in the mayoral race? I don't know. Arm robbery died. That's, that sucks. Um, again, right now, Kim Janey's the favorite, but it's all going to come down to who makes out of the prelims and what the matchup looks like. That'll change it. If, if John Santiago makes it out of the prelims, uh, you might be mad, but all right, I'm going to close out. Um, I got one question in the, this Twitch thing. How do we help support your streaming podcast? Uh, you can share it on social media if you're so inclined. Honestly, I'd rather you just come knock doors. So if you want to repay me for, um, giving you the news highlights in 60 seconds, you can sign up for a canvassing shift where you can meet me in person and thank me there. And then I will say thank you and then give you turf. And I will show you how to knock doors and how to persuade people when you're on the doors. And yeah, that's how you pay me back. This is all for free, but I want the wins. We need the wins. So have a good night, everyone. Take care. And yeah, I'll be seeing you.